or you like you to just get it open and turn with me to the book of Ephesians chapter 5. And you know, I, I don't know if I would say I'm going to preach a sermon or whatever. I just want to share a couple of ideas with you that the Holy Spirit dropped in my heart this morning. In Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 18, probably a familiar section of scripture to you. The Apostle Paul writes, Be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but instead be filled with the Spirit. Be not drunk with wine, but instead be filled with the Spirit. Speaking to yourselves. Other translations say speaking among yourselves. Both of those are appropriate. They are both appropriate translations. Speaking to yourselves and speaking among yourselves. So when we are in a group, as I was just a few minutes ago, speaking to you, exhorting you, I was also speaking to myself. Okay, so we, are, we have the Apostle Paul saying, be filled with the Spirit, speaking to yourselves and speaking among yourselves in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing and making joyful melody in your hearts to the Lord. Be filled with the Spirit. At the, at the, at the end of this series on the four F's, the four F's are basically the path of life. They are how to walk with God. Wonderful pattern established throughout both the Old and New Testament. Every single man or woman of God that has had any relationship with the Lord or walk with God practices the four F's. They may not call it the four F's. They may not see it as a, as a pattern, as a formula, but they practice it. What are they? Fellowship, focus, function, and fruit. They work together. They cannot work apart from each other. They work consecutively. Everything begins with fellowship. And out of fellowship with God comes focus. And as God gives us his focus, from that comes the power to function in the things that God's called us to do. And out of those functions, God produces fruit in our lives. So from fellowship to function, the four F's, that's basically the path of life. That is how we walk with God. So we've come now to the end of this series, and we've in depth broken down each of these four steps, each of the four F's, fellowship, focus, function, and fruit, and looked at them. But let's take a step back this morning and uh, take a broad look at the four F's and say why. Why should I practice the four F's? If I'm walking in fellowship, focus, function, fruit with the Lord, what is the outcome? What is the purpose? And Paul nails it right here in Ephesians chapter 5. He says, don't be drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. The four F's is basically a call to being filled with the Spirit. When we fellowship with God in a way that results in focus and function and eventually fruit, there's no way that that happens without the Holy Spirit being involved. God's goal for the New Testament Christian is that you be a vessel. Everyone say vessels. Vessels. Put your hand on your heart right now and say this with me. I am a vessel 
of God. Now I want you to say it again. And this time, I want you to believe it about yourself. Now you might be able to believe it about Jesse. But you may have a hard time believing it about yourself. I want you to believe it about yourself. I am a vessel of God. All right. Glory to God. Wonderful, wonderful. Well, it, vessels of God, listen to me this morning. God says, don't be drunk with wine. Let's stop for a moment. Most of us here can remember a time in our life when we were drunk with wine. Or if not, you've watched television and you've seen movies. You've seen people staggering down the street drunk with wine. When you see somebody staggering out into traffic or into danger, behaving in what looks like is a tremendous act of either bravery or total idiocy, you say, that person must be drunk with wine. Because they just cast all care aside and they just wander out into danger like they don't have a care in the world. So it's either fierceness or it's foolishness. But when you're drunk with wine, you, you, you depart from the well-worn path of predictability. When you're drunk with wine, you come up with boldness that you don't normally have. You've, we've all seen, either in real life or experienced or seen the movies, where the little short dude that's about five foot five goes into a bar, hops up on a stool, and he sits there drinking until he's drunk with wine. And in his ordinary state, he can't even bring himself to talk to women. But once he gets drunk with wine, he's every woman in the bar's best friend. And he's chatting them up and talking, I mean, the birds out of the trees. Or the little dude is always being picked on because he's a little dude. And he's always being bullied and pushed around. But once he's drunk with wine, he's walking up to the biggest guy in the bar, spinning him around and clocking him. I had two friends one time, and they were little dudes. I kid you not. These, these, these jokers were about five foot seven, five foot eight. This was back in the 70s, the early 70s. And these two little guys were drug dealers. And they had very long, hippie-like hair. I mean, when I say long, I mean like belt-length hippie hair. And back in the early 70s, they used to go up to Ocala, Florida. Some of you have to use your imagination, but let me just help you. Ocala, Florida is redneck territory. Are you listening to me? And they used to go up there because they used to love to go into cowboy bars, get drunk, and beat up big guys. And somehow they made it work for them. That was what they did for fun. Now, why did I know them? Because they eventually got saved. Thank God they got saved before they got killed. But uh, when you're drunk with wine... You, you cast off restraint and you come up somehow with boldness and power that you don't ordinarily have. But of course, we know that being drunk with wine is not God's answer to our problems in life because it, it is a fake strength. It's a fake boldness. Most of the time, the car hits you in the road, you're dead. Most of the time, the big guy turns around, just breaks you in half, and that's the, you're ended. That's the end of you. 
So that's usually what happens. When you're drunk with wine, that bravery and bravado doesn't really get you anywhere. So Paul's really good about giving us advice. And he says, don't be drunk with wine. But instead, be filled with the Spirit. Now, church, why did he contrast being drunk with wine and being filled with the Spirit? Anybody want to venture a quick guess? Why the contrast? Why are they similar? Why being drunk with wine is contrasted with being filled with the Spirit? Anybody? Okay, yeah. The results are the same. But why does he say that being filled with the Spirit is, is kind of like being drunk with wine? The reason is you have to get filled up with wine before you're drunk with wine. You know, a lot of people are fancy wine drinkers. They go out and they have a little glass with their meal, pinky outstretched and everything, but they're never drunk. They hop in the car, drive home. They're not drunk. They don't really get the effect. They just like the taste. Are you listening to me? They're not drunk. What do you have to do to get drunk? You have to get filled up. You get filled up, you're drunk. So the, the, all that power doesn't come till you're filled up. So why does Paul say, be filled with the Spirit? Because he's saying, God wants to release His power in you. So get filled up with the Spirit. Don't just go to a Spirit-filled church. I don't know why we keep calling ourselves a Spirit-filled church when we don't bother to get filled up with the Holy Spirit every time we get together. Amen. They should change the name. Instead of a spirit-filled church, it should be a spirit-tasting church. We're a spirit-sipping church. We're a spirit-tasting church. We're a spirit-sniffing church. A spirit-touching church. But the Bible doesn't say nothing about smelling the spirit, sniffing the spirit, tasting the spirit. You know, in the Old Testament... David said, oh, taste and see that the Lord's good. Why taste and see that the Lord's good? Because once you see, you're not, the tasting's over with. You're guzzling. Taste and see that the Spirit's good. Taste and see that God's good. Then have at it. Amen. Start guzzling. Start putting it away. Can you say amen? amen? Now we're talking not about why, but we're talking about the Holy Ghost. So are we going to live up to our title, Spirit-filled church? Or are we going to have to change the internet, the thing on the internet, on the website, to spirit-sniffing church? It drives me to distraction. When I talk to Christians and they say, oh, I go to this great big church over here and they got a phenomenal band and they've got stuff and lights and smoke and uh, uh, everybody's bouncing and uh, it's fantastic. I say, is it a spirit-filled church? Oh, yeah, praise God. Yeah, we're, we're Pentecostal. We're spirit-filled and everything. I said, so uh, people prophesy. You hear people praying in tongues, giving interpretation, laying hands. Oh, no, no, we don't do any of that. We don't do any of that. Well, how are you spirit-filled then? Amen. Well, we believe in it. We just don't do it. We, but we're, we're too big to do it. We, we, we're too big. We have too many people. We, we have 1,000 people in this. We have 5,000 people. We have, we have 800 people in the sanctuary. We just can't let people. 
prophesy. We just can't let people lay hands on. We got too many people. We'd be here all day long. Well, honey, if you're too big to let the Holy Ghost move, then your, your church is just too big. Amen. Are you listening to me? Yes. We're too small. We really can't afford to do that. We need to stick with the program. Well, if you're too small, then you're just too small. Hallelujah. As I said before, the Apostle Paul said, you want decency and in order, let all things be done. There's no use in applying decency and order to a service where you're not going to do anything except talk to people and sing a few songs. You can go to the bar and do that. You can read the menu, drink your drinks. You've talked, you've read, someone, someone ate and drank, and you go home. You could do that at a bar. You can do that at a restaurant. You don't need to go to church. So when we gather together to be the body of Christ, hallelujah, we need to let all things be done. What things are, are, is Paul talking about? He's talking about the things he mentioned earlier in that chapter, earlier in the 12th chapter. Hallelujah. Prophecy, tongues, interpretation, uh, word of wisdom, word of knowledge, discerning of spirits. Gifts of healings, working of miracles, gift of faith. He's talking about the gifts of the Spirit. Let it all be done, and let it be done in love. That's the best way to do it. It's not a choice between love and miracles. God doesn't offer a choice. If you receive agape, then receive the power and the effect of agape. That's the better way to flow and operate in the power of the gifts of the Spirit. So be filled with the Spirit. Hallelujah. Be filled with the Spirit speaking. Now, remember the little guy? He couldn't barely bring himself to talk to women. Once he gets filled, you can't shut him up. He's leaving with two or three girls. Yeah, you understand what I'm talking about. I'm using metaphors. I'm not endorsing anything. So do you understand? You get the picture. Be filled with the Spirit speaking. Be filled with the Spirit. How? Speaking. Be filled with the Spirit speaking in psalms, hymns, spiritual songs. In other words, the more you open up your mouth and praise God, the more the Lord fills it. Be filled. The Bible says it doesn't say smell, taste, or listen to other people. You lift up. And speak in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Glory to God. Now, I know some of you are deep. And um, your, your thing is that you're deep. You're an analyzer. You're an analyzer of, of messages and an analyzer of teachings. And, and you're just checking and sifting, making sure the scripture's being properly addressed and presented um, and I know some people think that is my gift. I'm an, an, I'm an, I'm an analyst. And an, I'm an analyst of the word. Um, but listen, uh, even if you're an analyst of the word, there comes a time when you need to stop sitting around and making analyzation or analyzing your prime objective and make drinking your prime objective. You need to make drinking, drinking the presence of the Lord. How do you do that? Be filled speaking. You see, when you're filled with the Spirit, with wine, you're drinking the wine. With the Spirit, filling with the Spirit, how do you do that? Speaking. That's what I'm trying to say to you. Paul's saying, now with the wine, you've got to uncork, or if, you, if you're a cheapskate, you've got to unscrew the bottle, 
and drink the stuff. But when you're being filled with the Spirit, you're uncorking your mouth and praising God. And as you speak praise and glory to God, it says speaking among yourselves. And if you don't have anyone around, speak to yourself. Walk around your house like a crazy person and sing praises to God like a crazy woman in your moo-moo and, and your mashed down house slippers. Just shuffle from room to room. Thank you, Jesus. Glory to God. Thank you, Father. I praise you that I am more than a conqueror. I thank you for all that you've done for me. And then sing a little song, whatever your favorite little song of praise. But just be a crazy woman. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Terry, you can be a crazy man. You don't need to be a crazy woman. And up and down in the bedrooms. Singing. Speak to yourselves. Why? Because you're getting filled with the Spirit when you do that. Be filled with the Spirit. You know you're filled when it starts running over the sides. And what did Jesus say in John 7? Out of your innermost being shall flow rivers of living water. You see, God's interested in you getting to the level of flowing. He wants stuff to flow out of you. And it says this he spoke concerning the Holy Spirit, which those that believed on him afterwards, that's you and I, should receive. Why do we receive the Holy Spirit? So, we can, so we're welcomed into a spirit-filled church or a spirit-sniffing church? No. We've received the Holy Spirit so we can be a spirit-filled church. You're not filled till you're overflowing. Let me say it again. You're not spirit-filled until it's overflowing. You're not spirit-filled. You may be charismatic. You may be Pentecostal. You may be full gospel. I don't care what you believe in, but you are not spirit-filled until it's running out your mouth. If it ain't running out your mouth, you're not filled. I said if it's, if it's not running out your mouth, you're not filled. Whatever's running out your mouth, that's what you're filled with. Now you can write that one down too if you're taking notes. Whatever is running out your mouth, that's what's filling you. So you need to just, be, just go back and keep speaking. Speak to yourself, psalms, hymns, sing a little song, quote some scripture, thank God, praise the Lord. Just get that flow going. Eventually, it will spill over. All right, I want to close with this. The very first miracle of Jesus. There's a principle in theology. I've heard it called different things, but it's basically the law of first mentions. When a, when a thing, a situation, a principle shows up for the very first time in the Bible, the first appearance of something in the scripture is important because it, it sets a note in theology. It sets up a principle. Um, that's why you hear God always talking about the first contacts that he makes when he'd make his covenant. And he refers to us as, even today, the sons and daughters of Abraham. See, that was that first contact with the blood covenant. So first mentions, very important. Well, the first miracle of Jesus is very significant. How many of you remember what the first miracle of Jesus was? Pat, what was it? The fellow blind from the water. Absolutely. The marriage at Cana of Galilee. Jesus and his disciples were invited to that wedding. How many of you remember how that miracle took place? The weddings those days would last for days. 
And so they'd lay in a big supply of wine. After a while, the wine would run out, and it was considered bad form if partway through the wedding the wine ran out. Because if the wine runs out, guess what else runs out? Your guests run out. Yeah, so you got to keep the wine there. And so Mary comes to her son and says, tugs on his shirt tail and says, they're out of wine. Now, I always found that a little strange that she would go to Jesus and say, they're out of wine. But see, everything has a prophetic meaning. And everything that happened around Jesus was prophetic and significant. This was tremendously significant. What Jesus did, in essence, was he said to the servants, go get vessels. Go get vessels. I had you repeat that word, vessels. I am a vessel of God. They needed wine, but they couldn't have wine until they had what? Vessels. Let me say it again. We want the wine. We want the results of God. You can't have them until you have a vessel. You see, I'm pulling into the driveway. You see where we're going to park this thing? Do you see where this is going to get parked? You can kind of figure it out, can't you? You need the new wine, the healing, the deliverance, the power. You need that new wine. You want that boldness. You want that strength. You want the miracles. You can't have it until you have a vessel. Go get some vessels. We got some vessels here. What was the next thing Jesus said? All right, great, it's done. Stand back. I'm going to work magic. This is going to be God's magic. The magicians in Egypt, they had magic, but God's really got magic. God's magic is, blows away their magic. Stand back, I'm going to make wine. No. Once they got the vessels, what did he say? Fill them. Fill them with water. Fill them with water. I can't just turn the air into wine but I can turn the water into wine. Why is that? Now, God could do anything. He spoke the universe into existence. So we know that he's able to do it. But God doesn't always do what he's able to do. He does what he prophetically has projected himself in creation to do. He follows the track of his word. So there's principles and guidelines that govern the Father's actions. And when Jesus was working his first miracle, he said, go get vessels, fill them with water. Now listen to me, because this is important. This is about to intersect with Ephesians that says, you be filled with the Spirit. We don't stand there magically and say, all right, fill me with the Spirit. Crickets. Somebody cue the crickets. No Spirit. Because it goes on to say, be filled with the Spirit speaking. You fill yourself with praise, God will turn it into anointing. Fill yourself with praise. Fill is the operative word. Fill, 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 fill. Fill yourself with praise. It'll turn into the anointing. Fill yourself with praise. It'll come into church on a Sunday morning. I love the people in church who complain about 
Well, the power's not here like it used to be. Yeah, the praise isn't either. Fill yourself with praise. God will turn it into anointing. The Bible says, Thou hast turned my mourning into... God turns things. Are you, we, have a, we have a God who turns things. He's able to turn things. Every one of those great miracles in the Bible, what have you got? Bring it to me. God's going to multiply it. I'm starving, the widow said. What have you got? Well, I got a little bit of, I got a little Betty Crocker mix and a little bit of oil. Good, bring it. Make me a pancake. Well, I'm starving. You want to eat my last pancake? Just bring it. God's going to do what? Going to multiply it. Fill it. Give it to me. I will. The principle is bring the vessel Fill it if you want to see the miracle of turning water into wine you're never going to see it unless you personally take responsibility to fill yourself Amen. fill yourself it'll work every time Jesus is a wonder worker and he's no respecter of person he will turn the water of your praise into the supernatural wine of the Holy Spirit and it's better than the stuff the guy brought brought in to the wedding. Remember, the governor of the feast tasted the wine and said, wow, he said, uh, you saved the best for last. Stand with me this morning.